And I eat big on it. <laughs> I'm not actually going to start it with that. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine. But uh, we do have a lot to talk about like this this weekend. There's so many different things that happened. We had one championship. There were a couple one cards, but I only got to see one on Prime Video 4, not the one that was the next day. So, sorry about that. But <laughs> I only saw that one. But then, like, there was also Bellator 288, which had Nemkov versus Anderson 2, and uh, Usman Nurmagomedov versus Patricio Pitbull. Not Patricio. Don't not be confused with his brother. And then, obviously, we had UFC Vegas 65, which had some storylines in itself that we'll get to. But I think... We got to start with one championship just because I'm biased because I thought that this was by far the best event of the weekend. And like, as we've said many times, we're an MMA show. Well, not even just an MMA show. We're a martial arts show. And we're going to talk about whatever is like the, the best. You know what I mean? And it seems like that some of these other promotions are actually starting to catch up to the UFC a little bit, which is good. But anyway, uh, to one on Prime Video for... For this one, I actually kind of want to go like from the bottom up a little bit because like the reason why I wanted to watch it initially was because of Danielle Kelly, you know, Silver Fox. Yeah. We know a couple people from there, so like we automatically root for like her, Aaron Blanchfield, and all that. So um, she's obviously grappling uh, on that card. She was on the prelims, and she was going against like a Sambo champion, and that's like the whole thing: jujitsu versus Sambo. Everybody debates it, and. Yeah, I don't know. If, do, you, do you get a chance to like actually see it or not? Because mm, I, I know it's to, like a bit of a pain in the ass sometimes. Yeah, I didn't get to see it in a, like in full. You yeah, know, well, it, you know what I mean. I feel it. Yeah, so I can't really like break much down from like a technical standpoint, but you know, I still like it's still definitely worth like talking about. Like you yeah. know, in terms of like you know. Where, you know, where, like, just where one as a promotion can, like, just build on, like, how, like, amazing of a card that this was. I would like to give them some credit because they fixed something that I've talked about on this podcast so many times is the fact that they bury their card in between all these reels and highlights. And they finally have taken advantage of the pinned post feature on Instagram. (laughs) They put them on the top now. Now they're there because I don't have to fucking scroll through 30 different posts to find who's fighting and when so that was cool i went on there to see when it started i saw it right at the top i'm like you know what let's watch some one tonight let's do it yeah it's it's these little things yeah exactly it's so easy i saw a meme actually because we'll get into bellator but it was funny because we've talked about this too how bellator kind of sometimes their cards like sneak up on us because like you only hear about it like a few days before I saw there's a meme that said um, Scott Coker explains how Bellator 288 was successful despite keeping it a secret until a week before. It's <laughs> like so good because that's the exact truth of how it is, and like that's how I felt too because like I was ready for like we talked about it like a tiny bit at the end of the last show, but like before that like I hadn't seen anything yeah. about it. So and then I'm trying to keep up with it more though because Bellator 289 is pretty good too that's when like Ruffian stops I definitely said that wrong by the way and um, Danny Sabatello for the I think it's the Bantamweight title or interim title one of the two I don't even know Bellator is a bit confusing sometimes because of the way how they promote but back to one I originally like I said I was watching it for Danielle Kelly and um, dude she like just put on a clinic <laughs> against this girl like, any debate, at least in that matchup between Sambo and Jiu-Jitsu, was shut up real quick. 
They said during the fight, probably like right about when it started. I shouldn't say fight. It was, well, technically a fight, but it's a grappling match for people who don't know about one. One championship they have MMA, uh, kickboxing, Muay Thai, and then just straight grappling matches, and that's what this is. And Danielle just like immediately was able to like really control. I wish I let me look up the girl's name who she fought, but uh, she was able to easily control her opponent. I don't know if I'm ever gonna be able to say that name. <laughs> Mo- Where's Mo- she from? Russia, but uh, Sambo, dude, you shouldn't. Come on. <laughs> no, yeah. You're versus right. Mar- I want to say Maria or Mariah Molchanova. That's what I'm gonna go with. Mol- I'm just gonna say Molchanova. So she uh, she was like easily able to like really control her in the guard, but then the way she like used her legs to like scrim, it wasn't even a scrim. It was weird. Like she was in her guard, and then Danielle Kelly, I guess like her legs were just long enough that she was able to just kind of take the back. I'm not well enough versed in jujitsu to like really break it down like that. We definitely know a couple people who could. Maybe we'll do that at some point have one of them on but it was just crazy how easily like she took the back from that position and then right when she had her there and like she flattened her out almost immediately and i was like oh this is this is over <laughs> like there's no way she was going for so many submissions right away and it seemed like Molchanova's strategy was more to try and control her and have like a dominant type game and like you know maybe top control and then eventually maybe get like an arm triangle or something like that maybe an arm bar but danielle just looked outstanding and she's it's cool how she's like a rising star in one now because like i remember when she was like on these cards in ufc fight pass just pretty much like on the i wouldn't call it like the regional scene but you know one championship on now it's on prime video that's obviously a huge platform for her and that's awesome too because like she's she's good for the sport she's awesome and i think she's good for jujitsu too which is why i was glad that she got a nice win always want to rep the silver fox people you know but there were like three other fights that I wanted to mention on this one. There's one, uh, Cosmo Alexandre, he um, fought, Sa- do you remember when he fought Sage Northcutt? And he was, the, it was the one where Sage Northcutt broke like every bone in his face. Do you remember that? I was like a couple years ago at this point, I think. Might oh, even be longer. I, yeah, I heard about, I heard about that Sage, you know, Northcutt injury, but I didn't know he was fighting. Yeah, so that's, Cosmo Alexandre was the guy that he fought in that uh, MMA bout, but this was a Muay Thai fight, and it was the final fight of Cosmo's career, but man, like, we talk about the UFC, how guys usually go out, just knocked out usually, he ended his fight with a nasty knockout of his own, and this was he was on the winning side, obviously. Dude, it was an elbow, like, right up the middle, and it hit him, like, clean, like, on the... Because they were in the clinch, yeah. kind of, and he pushed him off, and he just immediately, like, just went, like, an upward elbow. <laughs> and the guy dropped, and he was done. I was like, oh, my God. I was like, that was insane. And, like, this is how the whole card was. Like, the only reason why I'm not getting into some of these other fights is because I, I don't want to like sound like I know more about some of these people than I do because a lot of them was like my, really one of my first times watching some of them because uh, one championship sometimes it's on in like the morning and I yeah. barely have time to watch those but this one I had to catch and besides that though like the two uh, main fights Rod Tang I'm not even gonna butcher his last name because and honestly Rod Tang and at least in the martial arts world. He's enough of a badass that if you're a real fan, you know him by his first name. And you could find him by his first name anyway on Google. But he is a incredible Muay Thai fighter. It, I would say like if there was, a, you know, if you were to pick like a master in the sport of like, you know, certain martial arts, he would be a master of Muay Thai. Because people just look 
terrible against him on the feet. It's unbelievable. Like the guy he was fighting, Joseph Lasiria, if I'm not mistaken, he was a champion going up in weight for to take like Rod Tang's title. And he made Joseph Lasiri look like a fucking amateur. Like, he was beating him up. Well, and Rod Tang does this in a lot of his fights. Like, he's a real showman. Like, we talk a lot about, like, these highlight reel type fighters in the UFC. But I'm telling you guys, just look up Rod Tang. Because his his highlight reel is insane. <laughs> and in this fight, it was, like, nothing short of just fantastic. He's walking forward. He walks forward sometimes with his hands down. Just lets people punch him in the face. Dude, the guy's got a chin of granite. It is unbelievable. And, like, Joseph Lasiri's hitting him with, like, legit, like, hooks. And he's not even, like, buckling him. And this is no, like, slouch. Like, this is a, another Muay Thai champion. And Rod Tang's making him look like a fool. And he was, like, man, he was trashing him the whole time. Like, trash-talking him. It just It was just amazing. Like, I, I enjoyed that fight so much. And that's how the whole card was. There were just so many wars, so many, like, great performances and then the main event christian lee who uh he became a double champ i think he was the lightweight champion and he just won the welterweight one versus kiamian abasov and he got dropped bad in round one dude like it looked like it was over and then somehow he survives and then comes back and then drops uh abasov in round four and finishes him with tko just like that whole event was like a you, you remember uh, the movie good time yeah. You remember like how we talked about how it felt like it's just like constant just action of yeah. some sort? Yeah. That's how this card felt. Like that's the best comparison. It just felt like a fever dream for like an MMA fan, just how cool it was. Like I don't I don't know, like there's it's been a while since I've enjoyed like a card outside of the UFC that much and I was even saying to you before we started that I think that this card was better than a good majority of the UFC cards this year, even a lot of, like, at the pay-per-views, even. Well, I think, like, you know, why it's, like, part of why it's so good that, you know, you got these other promotions, like, you know, obviously trying to rival UFCs because, you know, the roster over there and these other promotions, like, I just, they're just, they're simply just, I feel just more inclined to just put on, like, just a, just a show, you know, just get noticed by, like, you know, you know, whether it is other promotions or just outside, like, fans that are just trying to get more into the sport. Whereas, like, you know, in the UFC, like, you're already there. Like, you want to you want to stick around. So, like... Yeah. I, well, I should it, say this, though. A lot of people, like, in one championship, they talk about their president, Yad Chatri, And he's awesome. Like, apparently, like, everybody loves him. Everybody who's ever dealt with him says that he's the best. Like, he's, he respects the martial arts. Completely, and I think that shows in the way that their promotion is formatted, like in the sense that we get all these like different martial arts in one promotion. Like the UFC does, I mean, they have like grappling and stuff like on Fight Pass, but you'll never see like a UFC card where there's like a grappling match and then a Muay Thai fight. You, that's something you're only gonna get in one. And one, even though it's not as big in America, like I'm pretty sure like worldwide, one is actually bigger than the UFC. Like I'm gonna see if I could find something about it but like I'm pretty sure because one is pretty much what the UFC is here is how one is in Asia and Asia is obviously a lot bigger than just the United States so people like in America sleep on one championship but they really are like fantastic I'm trying to like this is kind of crazy according to Nielsen one ranks among the world's top five biggest sports media properties for viewership and engagement top five in the world so that's everything so that's kind of like that's some stat right there i mean i don't really i don't know like what else is considered a, like a world like media 
type of thing. I, I, I'm sure it's something crazy. But like either way, I just thought that like we had to like just mention this at least like a little bit because I was watching and I was like in, literally in awe of what I was watching. Like I'm a fan of Christian Lee for life. Rod Tang, I was already a huge fan, and now like after that, I'm even a, I'm even bigger fan. So great card by one championship. And if you guys didn't really get to see much of that, there's a lot of it on YouTube. They do a good job at posting clips on social media too. So definitely check them out. But um, I guess we could move on to Bellator because they had a great card too. But I mainly want to talk about the just the main event and the co-main event because they were like the most important and those are the ones that we were kind of looking forward to the most anyway so you start with like the co-main with Usman Nurmagomedov versus Cheeky Pitbull now I thought that Usman was gonna whoop him but I didn't think it was gonna be like like that like I thought if anything it would just be like I don't know I thought I just thought it'd be a lot closer like Patricky's not his brother but he's definitely like a really good fighter which is like obviously why he's champion and but Usman, man, he's sixteen and zero now, and he just just beat the shit out of him like the whole fight. Like, I, did you catch any of Bellator either or not? Because I know the Friday cards are harder to like get to. I was able to see a little more of Bellator. That's good. One. Did you see the Usman? I, bet, I, I think I saw more Bellator than UFC this week, honestly. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. That's good though. I mean, dude, the, we'll talk about the UFC card. Obviously, it was all right, but um. In Bellator, though, like, it's crazy because Usman Nurmagomedov, like I, like I said, I thought he was going to win, but just the way that he did it, pillar to post, just beat down. And now he's the champ. And, like, it's funny, too. Like, I always love seeing the memes that, like, he's the ultimate um, the ultimate fighter because he has Usman as his first name and then Nurmagomedov as his last name. He's just got two of the baddest motherfuckers in the one. <laughs> but, obviously, he trains with Habib and all those guys, and that – that team has just been doing insane, yeah. honestly. I saw like something on, I'm going to see if I can find this on ESPN. They, it was funny. They actually butchered the stat because they counted uh, said Nurmagomedov, who is not related to them in any way, and they put like an inflated record, but then they took him off and did better research <laughs> because he's not in that on the team. <laughs> so Team Khabib, the fight record, according to ESPN MMA, is 142-11-3. Now, Khabib, 29-0, Islam Makhachev, 23-1, Islam Mamedov, 22-2-1, where's Usman on here? Usman Nurmagomedov is 16-0, and then Umar Nurmagomedov, who's a bantamweight who we've talked about a few times, he's 15-0. So, like, these dudes are coming, man. Like, it's pretty scary, like, how they're just every sport right now. Like, they have the, the lightweight champion in Bellator and the UFC. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> like, that's... Got them everywhere. It's wild. And, like, they're coming in all the other promotions, too. I'm pretty sure there's, like, a couple in one. There's obviously Eagle FC, <laughs> the one that Habib runs himself. It's just... These dudes are scary. <laughs> let's, just, let's just leave it at that. But I'm definitely excited to see Usman Nurmagomedov's next fight and whoever it might be against. I think we'll see a heavyweight of, of one of these guys. I don't want to. That's going to be a scary. Yeah. That's a scary, that it's a scary thing to think about. Honestly, I don't know because like yeah. all these guys are like, it's, yeah, uh, especially like in a heavyweight that can move as like almost as agile as everyone else, and then you know, honestly, honestly not even that. Just like, I imagine like I th- I'm thinking of Islam here right now. Like, imagine a heavyweight 
with Islam's level of like trip takedowns and stuff up against the cage and like chain wrestling. Yeah, like that'd be scary. That's a problem. Then that's not something I'm. Well, it is something I'm trying to see, but I'm saying I'm not trying to see that myself. <laughs> like I, I would want no smoke. I like not that I want smoke with any of these guys either, <laughs> but definitely not a heavyweight version because. I mean, you saw Connor against Habib, dude. Like, yeah. there's some pictures in that fight where Connor looks like he's actually being tortured. <laughs> so, I guess with that, we'll get to another Russian assassin in uh, Vadim Nemkov. And he just, another pretty, like, outstanding performance. He, uh, he beat up Corey Anderson pretty bad. And it was like, I mean, there were, Corey got, like, a couple rounds. I mean, there was 49, 46s on two of the scorecards and then one forty-eight, forty-seven. So, I don't know. I guess you said you watched more of Bellator, so I'm assuming you got to watch this fight. Oh, yeah. This so, one, what are your thoughts here, I guess? I'm more just like, you know, now it's like, all right, you got Ural Romero's next opponent set. That's, that's true. That's part, of what, that's part of what I was so, like, intrigued about. It's like, you know, it's been... Because Ural, Ural Romero's... Yo Romero's last fight really wasn't that long ago now, was it? Uh, let me look it up, but no, I think it was fairly recently. It's crazy how he's like 45 years old and he's still legit like hurting yeah. people. Like, <laughs> let's see. He just seems to like adapt, I think. His style's just perfect. Like, because he doesn't really, he's not like the type of guy who's gonna like, blow his gas tank really anymore like you see it he sits and he waits and then he strikes and he or sometimes he even uses his wrestling nowadays which is good and his last fight to answer your question was in september versus melvin manhope that was what remember he knocked him oh, cold yeah. with those elbows oh and then the fight before that was when he broke that guy's jaw in the final second of the round you dude like when i go through Joel romero's like topology and i see like his wins and like the knockouts that he had, I just think about just how brutal every single one of them are. Like the Derek Brunson one was fucking scary. The Tim Kennedy one was scary. That was a weird one too because he was getting tired in that fight. And then the the whole thing happened. Was they call it like Stoolgate because he kept sitting on his stool and like they weren't taking it away. So he got like thirty extra seconds to rest, and then he knocked Tim Kennedy the fuck out bad. Knocked out Leoto Machida very similarly to how he knocked out. Uh, Manhoof actually, but then I, then you're getting into like his elite days when he knocked out Chris Weidman with that flying knee in the first card ever at Madison Square Garden, just and it's just like you think about not just the knockouts but just how bad they were. Like Chris Weidman was gushing blood. Luke Rockhold, I think of that fight. I think about when he dropped him, and then there's that one shot of like you just see Luke Rockhold looking up, and it's just Yoel Romero's left hand. He's all the way back, and he just hits him as and. Out, out! Like it, he was a scary, scary individual when he was in the UFC, and he still is. Like I said, those last two knockouts were brutal too. And now he's fighting Vadim Nemkov. I guess what are your like early thoughts going? Oh, actually, before you say that though, I do want to say this because we we're talking about this with one being on Prime Video. Bellator is actually moving from Showtime back to CBS, which is like amazing for them because yeah. now they'll be on TV. Yeah. And this. Is going to be one of the first cards, if not the first card, Perfect. on CBS. Bellator 290, Nemkov versus Romero in February. So with that, now I'll ask you, what, what's like your early thought process on that fight? I think it's 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 definitely it's definitely a combination of styles. That's for one. 
So, you know, it's just all about, like, who controls it, like, who dictates the pace and all that. Um, my, like, early pick, mine would be Eli Romero. I just really? feel like he's a lot more, like, not a lot more, but just, like, just of how calculated he is and, like, it's 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 weird with these these uh these these matchups and that's you know part of why part of why like you know part of why like we like Bellator so much it's like you don't you're not really like you know like a fighter wins a fight and now it's like all right well like you can like the fighter can call out you know who they who they want to fight next obviously but like you know it's not like it's really gonna happen like you know like this fight for instance like I think your like, was just like I want a title shot and they were like. Fuck it. <laughs> Even with, like, their Grand Prix tournament, like, you know, you're fighting, you know, you got, like, you already have, like, a, you know, a, a path, like, set pretty much to, like, the championship. Whereas, like, you know. Yeah. It's your fight to, it's your belt to lose, yeah. basically, at that yeah. point. Like, you're, you're given the chance. All you got to do is win. Like, that's it. So, and it doesn't matter by any means necessary, as they would say. Exactly. Whereas, like, yeah, UFC, they're just looking at, like, who's putting on a good fight. Like, who's, like, you know, who's being, like, who's the talk of the town right now. And, like, who can make a good matchup for, you know, yeah, the champion. Yeah, do you think fucking Hamzat talking about he wants to fight for, for Pajeda? Like, Yeah, and that's Eli. the thing, too. With, like, like, it's like, you see all these, like, you know, rumored, like, fights and all that. And, like, sometimes you'll even get, like, like an announcement or like but it's not like an official announcement that this fight is being made and then yeah it's just that's what know, paulo gets... costa said too about his fight with whitaker like he keeps yeah, saying like, that's like, not happening even that, though they keep promoting it's it. it's like it's it's like you know it gets people talking and all that and like speculation and all that but like you know it's it's kind of it does get like pretty like because you don't you don't like know if it's actually ever even gonna happen so yeah like, well that's how it is if you think about it though with every piece of conor mcgregor news that you yeah <laughs> And then, like, you got, like, like this is why I hate, like, ESPN MMA sometimes. Like, they'll post, like, these random things. Like, like, like I said with Hamza calling out Pajeda, like, no one wants to see that right now. Like, I, besides him. Like, he's calling him out. He's like, I signed the contract December 10th. Like, on what contract? Like, the one, you made it, you made it up? Like, because I know the UFC didn't send you no contract. <laughs> Guy just fought. You know, like, he fought in a five-round war with Israel Adesanya literally, like, a week ago. And you're telling me he's going to fight this. He has a fight lined up for December 10th? Not true. So, it's just, and then ESPN MMA posters are like, Hamza fighting her on December 10th. Exactly. Like, it's, you know that it draw, it's just, it's always going to draw attention. And it's like, you know, yeah. it's like, you don't even like, it's like, it doesn't even actually happen. So yeah. it's pretty. It's, I agree with you. Like, I like the Grand Prix style because it guarantees matchups. And like, it kind of brings me back to like the actual main event itself. Like Nemkov, he was talking about like, uh, this is a quote that he said through his uh, translator. And I just like, he, he's a tough looking dude, like clearly. And when I read this, I was a bit nervous, not going to lie. I thought, like, even though he's not talking about me or hurting me, I felt like he was. He says, I was well prepared, I wasn't distracted, and I kept a very high pace. Like I said, in rematches, I never lose, and you guys didn't believe me. <laughs> like, that's a cold quote. That guy's so scary. And then I think about, too, like, with the Grand Prix stuff in the first fight, how Corey Anderson was literally beating him up. And he hit him with the headbutt. And we praised him on the show at the time, too, for acknowledging it. Because that's like, what a good sportsman. But now, you have the rematch. Nemkov wins. And you just lost 100, or not 100, $1 million. Yeah. So, you know, yes, he did the right thing, like, sportsman-wise. 
but man, like you, I can only imagine like what he's probably thinking, like in the sense that I should have won that money in the first fight, and it's like the ref didn't notice it. Like I don't know if you remember that fight, but the ref like he said it, and that's what caused the doctor to look at it, and that no contest and all that hard work. Man, like yeah. I like Corey Anderson too. Like this isn't even a shot at him. I'm literally just saying I feel like bad. Because like I, I would never like take a shot at a guy for doing the right thing. You know what I mean? So it's just tough to see. Hopefully he'll be back and he'll I mean yeah, I'm I, sure he's getting yeah. paid, so I think I think if, I think that fight with Romero is gonna be so close though. With Nemkov and Yeah, Romero? yeah. It's interesting because like Nemkov can't just I mean I think mean, maybe he could, but I don't really don't think he's just gonna be able to outwrestle him. But then you yeah. think it on the feet. I think on the feet he's gonna have a really good chance. I don't know, man. It's it's just whether or not you know, Romero really even allows himself to get hit. That too, I agree with that. Like he's, but Nemkov though, he's not like Adesanya. He's not gonna just stand there. Like he's gonna yeah. come at him at a certain point, and he's ferocious with it. Like people don't understand because like th- nobody wants to give anybody credit when they're in another promotion. But I've been saying this like Vadim Nemkov. I truly believe he could be UFC champion right now. Like, he could beat Yuri. He could beat those top guys. Like, he is that good. People exactly. need to understand that he is not just some bum in Bellator. And this guy is very for real. So, I don't know. That's that's a good fight. I can't wait to see it. And like I said, it'll be in, like, February next year. But So, it'll be fun to talk about when the time comes. But now, we finally uh, have arrived. Well, actually, I guess if you want to talk about this first a little bit, because it's, like, a quick thing. Uh, Alistair Overeem, <laughs> you know, we were talking about last month when he fought Badir Hari in kickboxing. He said he looked a little, a little buff, you know, at 45 or whatever, or 42, I think, actually. Let me look that up. I actually want to be sure. But Alistair Overeem, you know, we were saying that he might, uh, he might be dabbling with the, uh, the Mexican supplements. <laughs> He's 42, by the way, but uh, he tested positive. For uh, his A sample, and apparently, I think I'm pretty sure if I'm reading it right, it was taken after the fight, and he had a banned substance in his system. His team claims that it wasn't anything performance enhancing, but his team is gonna say, yeah, we get, he was on steroids. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know. I mean, it, not much has come out yet about it because there's it's still like, so basically the way drug testing works, there's two samples. There's an A sample and a B sample. The A sample was the one that got flagged. And then the B sample is currently being tested. And he's not going to be punished in any way, basically, until that sample comes back positive. And, you know, obviously Overeem has been, has had problems with this in the past in the UFC for that. It's just like, you know, I can't say I'm surprised. <laughs> this is really, it's really it. So, I just wanted to mention that because we we talked about it like a bunch of times on the pod before that fight, and I just when I read it this morning, I was like, "This is too good to be true." <laughs> so we'll we'll keep you guys updated on that one as we find out more. So now on to the UFC, you know UFC sixty uh, Vegas sixty five had an interesting main event coming in. It was Derek Lewis versus Sergey Spivak, but obviously that fight ended up not happening, and. It, it was an illness on the side of Derek Lewis. So, obviously, he got out of the, the hospital and stuff. They said he was all right, so that's good to hear. But it's just unfortunate. And, like, it happened in the middle of the card, too, which just sucks. And the first thing that went through my mind, and I'm curious to see what you think about this, 
just what a what a mess. Like yeah. the card was pretty good. Like thank God that the fights were good and the main event that ended up taking its place, which was the co-main, was a good fight and all that. But you know, I think about how we've talked about these cards the past few weeks and stuff, and how like they're very weak or they might have like a good main event and no other fights on it. And this card, like I said, if it wasn't for the fighters putting on the shows that they put on. This one would have gotten exposed, I think. Because I was thinking about the Sanhagen versus Song card. And I remember me and you talking about it. Saying how, you know, besides the main event, there's really not that much on this card that they're to look forward to. So I said to myself, if that fight got canceled, the main event would have been Gregory Rodriguez, who I'd like to say is, is fucking awesome. Like, I, I'm a big fan of his, so I'm not bashing him in any way. Versus Chidi Nojuquani. Now, does Gregory Rod- Rod- or Rodriguez versus... Uh, Chidi Nojuquani sound like a UFC main event to you right now? Like, no. Oh my god! It's just I I don't know, man. Like this is if this is like I know this is like a rare occurrence, but you got to think about like what if this happened on like one of these other crappier cards yeah. that might not live up to the hype? And would like to actually say something real fast. Um, we we're talking about it at UFC 281. I said if we ever talked about shitty fight cards again, I would bring this up. We're not going to talk about it at all, but I would like to just shout out what we believe is the worst card in UFC history, which was UFC Fight Night, Jessica I versus Cynthia Calvillo. Now, that was like one of those fight cards where there was no, like the main event had no real stakes for the title. And like either way, like it was just like one of those fights where like, well, Cynthia Calvillo is probably just going to like beat her up on the ground. And it's going to like be like a long, drawn-out fight. And that's exactly what it was. And then the rest of the card was just awful. So I said that, we, I said that I'd bring that up. So that's, that's the worst card of all time, I yeah. think. And no disrespect to anybody on it. It was just truly just hard to watch <laughs> that night. But anyway, back to this card, which actually ended up doing pretty good, though. But before we go on, though, I do kind of want to get your thoughts, though. Like, what did you think, like when the main event was canceled and like, do you think that this could be like a problem if it happens in like other cards and stuff like that? Oh yeah, e- definitely. Even like this card, you could argue like, you know, probably honestly, yeah, the fighters are putting a good show, but you know, I don't think like just like because of, you know, I mean, maybe like they see that the main event gets called off and like, you know, now it's like, you want to like, now your fight of your performance of the night, yeah, your fight of the night, bonus and potentially goes up but um yeah i think it's it's definitely a problem but maybe like i don't know maybe ufc like realizes this too and like now they're gonna like these fight night cards are gonna just progressively just get like you know more like you know meaningful and just really that you know in that sense but um yeah this could have been you know yeah this was this could have been like really bad yeah i'm glad like it didn't go too bad but you know, this just goes back to what we've been saying this whole pod, like about, you know, the UFC's fight nights. And, you know, you look at this and the name value behind the main event, besides like Kute Lava, Kennedy. Oh, I actually wrote down how to pronounce this. I'm not going to butcher it, dude. I swear to God. I feel like we can make like a whole compilation of me just butchering people's <laughs> names on this pod because of just how many tough ones there are to say nowadays. Because I mean, no disrespect. <laughs> That's why I try so hard to pronounce them right. Zichukwu. Got it. Kennedy, Kennedy Zichukwu. All right. 
So he had a great win, obviously, though, in the main event. But it's just, you know, you look at these cards and, like, you, you compare them to Bellator 288 this weekend and one on Prime Video 4. The gap is closing, and it's closing fast. Like, these UFC fight nights, some of them, like, they're just not the same quality that they once were. And these other promotions are just getting better and better as more fighters are going into them and more coverage is being given. Like, now you got Bellator, which is going to be on CBS. One is on Prime Video. Like, and the PFL is still on ESPN, too, which is awesome. I think they actually might be moving soon, but I'm not to the zone, which I think is actually kind of shitty for them. But, you know, we'll talk about that more when it happens. Yeah. I'm actually really excited for their pay-per-view next weekend or this weekend. I don't know. You just the whole... Uh, UFC Vegas just in general might need to like might need to stop. I agree, man. Dude, the Apex cards are getting old fast. Yeah, it's just there's just there's some energy, but it's just not the same. And like you were saying, like I remember, I forget which pod exactly, but you definitely said this: how they really just give effort to those few big fight nights that are in like other arenas and stuff like that. But it's just so unfortunate because it's like, why do you want like this? Well, I know why they want it. It's because money. But there's this oversaturation, and it's leading to like less and less fun cards. And you're gonna At like first, lose like more, you know, last year pretty much, like when they when you know they're traveling again and stuff for pay per views and all that. Like I thought, it was, I thought, and even like just you know, for, speaking for just from about the apex, just in general, like I liked like you know like the environment, just how like you could just hear like everything so much more like clearly like corners and stuff it feels like you know feels like a lot more intense feels like you might even like be there yourself but you know once again like that and that and also like it would make the pay-per-views feel that much bigger too like you've got the slice cow here like you know like yeah like this is pretty this is pretty cool but yeah like these days it's like and that's but like even like you just said though they're tra- like they're traveling for certain fight night cards, and those feel like the like the ones to actually like that truly like feel like something and mean something. But you know, like I, I should just go on like like Wikipedia and go on like their list. Now, of yeah, now it feels like now it feels ones. like uh, the Apex cards feel, are like phoned in. Yeah, the fight nights never used to feel like that because they'd always be in different places around the world. You'd be. Like, they, I remember there were some in, like, Chile, Singapore. You got, like, random states. Like, I, I, there was one. It was, like, a, I, who that? It was JDS versus Bagoy Ivanov. And I think it was in, like, Idaho. And I'm like, dude, whatever happened to the Idaho cards, dude? I Like, I miss it. Like, I'm going back. This is, like, 2016. I'm just going to, like, select a random fight night probably and see what we got on here. Uh, let's check this out. So this is this is UFC Fight Night, Damian Maya versus Carlos Condit from 2016, and this is I'm gonna read the whole card because there's people that we know throughout the card. So you got Damian Maya versus Carlos Condit main event, Anthony Pettis versus Charles Oliveira co-main event, Paige Van, and this is a featherweight at the time. Paige Van Zant versus Beck Rawlings, who were like both good strawweights at the time. Jim Miller versus Joe Lozon. That's the main card. Then the prelims, you got names like Sam Alvey, Kyle Bokniak, who was good at the time, Alessio DiCherico, Felipe Silva. And then even on the UFC Fight Pass prelims, I remember Chad, I think it's Laprice or LeBron. I don't know exactly how to say it, but I know who he is. <laughs> 
It's just like yeah. they're so funky. Like what UFC Vegas are we on now? Sixty six. Yeah, that'll be the ne- well. I don't know when it is because the next card is actually one of those big ones in or it's in Orlando and that's in December. Yeah. But yeah, it'll be the next one will be sixty six. So like you know, it's like how many? Like how I I got I genuinely do like wonder how many they're gonna get to before like you know. Some sort of like change happens. Yeah, is it gonna be like UFC Vegas one sixty eight? Yeah, that far. Oh god. Like start billing it like a pay per view and stuff. Like, I mean, to get that it saves UFC money. But... Vegas one hundred. Oh my god! Please, I hope that never happens. Honestly, no problem. This right, dude. I don't. Yeah. Well, I mean, like now to talk back about this card and the main event getting called off and this the card as a whole like almost getting exposed if it wasn't for like the performances um i don't know fighters by the way deserve so much credit for that because talk about taking advantage of an opportunity yeah that's kind of what i was trying to say before that like now you have like obviously the main of like you know the most important fight quote unquote of the card being taken off like now your chance for a fight of the night performance of the night just goes up that much and like you're just that much more like inclined to like you know get just obviously get get your hand raised and then get the bonus money at the end of the night so yeah and kennedy uh zenchuku got it here we go he uh he obviously took major advantage of his showcase versus ion kute lava and kute lava he's a tough dude man like we've given him some shit on this show for the way that he fights sometimes but this one he actually came in with like a pretty good game plan went away in round two he honestly kind of reminds me of michael chandler in the sense that he'll grapple and win early, and then he just gets impatient and he just starts to go nuts, and that's what loses in fights, and that's what lost in this fight, because Kennedy yeah, came he in. Yeah, dropped, he dropped all the uh, the pre-fight like you he know antic stuff too, and just that's cool. I'm glad because that shit was yeah. Weird. <laughs> I don't know. I've never a big fan of. Yeah, that. I've never been like full. He's probably told by somebody to yeah, like to stop doing it. Jeremy Stevens like ruined. Dukar closes like year by <laughs> by just pushing him at the weigh-in, so I think like they're probably taking a bigger stance against it. But like in the first round, Kutelava he came out strong with his grappling. He was doing good controlling him, and he won the round. But I do want to like say this, like because I remember when Kennedy uh, Zinchuku was first like getting into the UFC and stuff, and his grappling was just like nothing, dude. Like he was getting taken down and held down so easily. He was just as good on the feet, which is pretty like amazing. But he was just never up there long enough because people saw that that was a weakness pretty early on. And to his credit, man, he's gotten so much better with it. Like against a grappler as good as Kute Laba, he didn't have like the greatest de- take, uh, takedown defense. But it looked like better than it has in like years past. And then his like him getting up too, like he used to be able to just. He would just be getting pinned there the whole round pretty much in the past. And, like, now in that first round, he ended it, like, controlling Kute Lava, which is, like, a testament to just how much he's improved in between fights and stuff. And, like, I always respect when fighters do that. And then, obviously, in round two, those knees were just brutal. And he's so smart. Like, I I never actually, like, really listened to him, like, talk in any interviews to before. But, like, he's very intelligent with how he, like, breaks down his game plans and stuff. And he even, like, noted the tendencies, like... Kute Lava likes to just pressure people, so if you pressure him, he's not as good off the back foot, and that's when he tends to shoot for, like, reckless takedown. So he said he saw that knee coming before the fight even started, and, like, that's amazing. Like, and that's just a testament to him, his coaches, like, Safe Sayud and all those guys over at that camp. It's just, 
incredible. Like, like I said, way to take advantage of like yeah. just a bad occurrence in the main event because now you know the UFC is pushing him because you gotta. <laughs> you know, he wins in the main event even if it's not technically the main event. Yeah, he's still like the guy who you want to like say that oh you know he's gonna be someone, but he has the potential, man. He's really good on the feet. It's just the grappling. As long as he keeps getting better there, we'll see. I mean, mm-hmm. we'll see what happens. Then, you know, where's Waldo, dude? <laughs> Waldo Cortez Acosta fights for the second time in yeah. three weeks, gets another win, fought Chase Sherman. But my thing with this is I'm starting to see, like, the flaws that are, like, very clear in the, fa- in the sense that, like, Waldo has been getting kicked in the legs way too much his last few fights. And, you know, against these guys that he's been fighting, it's not as bad. But when you start to get up through the heavyweight ranks, I feel like that's going to come back to bite him. Yeah. I don't know. What do you think? Oh, I agree, for sure. Because they just get that much more, like, snappy. And he's just, you know, calculated pretty much. And more then, athletic, too. Yeah, so, I mean, I mean, I would think, like, like sure, like yeah, he's a heavyweight. Like I mean, he's just he's a mixed martial artist. Period. Like you know, he can take a leg kick, but like you know, that starts that's gonna he's like pile up. Yeah, him, it's like, gonna pile up, and then it's just yeah, it's not the next one is gonna feel a lot worse than the last one. So. He's like a typical boxer in MMA too, because like he has a really good jab, but then because of that jab he's so heavy on like the front leg at all times and they just always are kicking him when he's when he throws it and he's gonna have to figure out a way to like have a counter or something in place just so he's not getting leg kicked as much or even if he's just checking him like i know it's easier said than done but like you just you can't keep going along these like along these lines like that because he's not an o now so he still hasn't lost but how long is it going to take for him to find someone who's going to piece his leg up and start to make it immobile and then he's, you know, he's not as strong off the front leg. And that's a problem. Like you lose explosiveness and then either way, the more it gets kicked, the worse it's going to feel. It's just, I don't know. It was a good win. Like, don't get me wrong. Like he, he pieced Chase Sherman up, but the leg kicks, man, like that's, that's what just always has been standing out to me lately in these past few fights. And I think that he's going to need to fix that. Like, that's that's something that needs to be solved. But moving on, I guess, because I think we could probably... Well, I mean, of... if he can put guys away in, like, the first round, then... Just the thing that he hasn't been, really. Like, I think... Because his last fight was a decision, too, wasn't it? Because that was... It's fairly recent. I should remember. Yeah, it was a decision. <laughs> and a yeah, it was, it was really like a split decision, fight, too, I think. Yeah. But then you... I don't know, man. It's just in that weight class, you don't want to be getting kicked like that because these dudes are like, they got tree trunks for legs, man. It's like getting hit with a bat. <laughs> so I wouldn't want to get kicked. I wouldn't want to get kicked with a leg kick from like a guy like really like a lightweight. Yeah. So let alone a heavyweight. So he's definitely got to solve it. But then like you got another fight that was just insane by like on one side of the fact that it was Muslim Salikov. He uh, TKO'd Andre Fialo. I think it's Fialo. And a lot of things like stuck out to me in this fight. Just like the fact of how good Muslim Salikov like really is. Because this was like billed as a fight between two like rising stars in the sport. And it did not look like that. It looked pretty one-sided to me. And just the, the way that the finish happened with like that spinning heel kick to the body. And then just the punches were brutal, man. 
absolutely brutal. And but Fiala, I think to his credit, he showed how tough he was because he could have just wilted in round one by how that mm. fight was going. And I was just really impressed by it. And what do you think of like more? Where does Fialo go from here? Because you know he had like a really good run, and it seems like lately he's been struggling. But like it's it's not like he's facing like guys who aren't really good. You know what I mean? Mm, they might just keep yeah. They might just keep putting him up against you know these guys that um, these newcomers that um have a lot of potential and just make a good matchup. Cause it's yeah I don't. Fialo right now, I think, like, as far as just getting back into, like, the rankings, it's gonna, it's gonna be uh, pretty tough. Yeah, because he's off another loss, too, to Jake Matthews. I remember that fight. I was on UFC 275. So, and then before that was when he had that, like, little run of two first-round knockouts. And then he, he's a good fighter, but it's just, like, I don't know. He's got to... If he's gonna be like hanging with the top guys, yeah. Well, that's what I'm. That yeah, because I don't think the competition's really gonna get much easier. Yeah, and like they're at. Uh, and even if it does, too. then like if you beat the easy competition, then you still have to, you know. I mean, what I, you know, who knows what the like, you know, uh, a fight, a few fights against like you know lower, uh, lower competition might do, but you know, as of right now, I don't see it really going that way. I mean, we'll see where I guess where he gets booked next, but especially after like I mean, if they both put on like a really if this fight was just like you know just a straight like war, I guess if you want to say, which is what I think they thought it was gonna be, yeah, and it wasn't. So (laughs) now it's more like okay, Salikov, like you know, they're probably gonna they might fast track him and then Fiajo probably just yeah probably just keep finding just good matchups for him and then hoping you know see if he pulls one out. Well, you're talking about uh, somebody who needs to be fast-tracked. This is somebody who needs to be fast-tracked. Jack Della Maddalena. Oh, dude. yeah. I mean, we've talked about him yeah, in the past. Can. Dude, his boxing is insane. And, like, Danny Roberts is a good striker. He's slick. He's hard to hit. And Jack Della Maddalena just fucking put it on him right off the bat. Knocked him out in the first round. I like he's very legit. Like the fact that his name isn't brought up more is like criminal. Honestly. I don't know how. I mean, cause I feel like you know, um, like the general, like not even like general MMA fan, but like you know, you like true true UFC fans that are watching every week. Like they 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 know this guy's name and they know like he's like I think he should I think he should be regarded as one of the more like exciting like um, anticipated prospects that the UFC has. Yeah, and he's like, finishing guys too. He's not just beating them; he's knocking their asses out. This is his his first three fights in the UFC: first round knockout, first round knockout, first round knockout. Yeah, like, and they're all and they're against like good guys too. Like Ramazan Amiv was twenty and five, and then Danny Roberts is a good fighter, like I just said for the reasons that I mentioned. But I need to see him in a, a, a ranked fight next like i want him against somebody in the top 10 top 15 whatever but i did pick out a name so i'm curious to see what you think of it because i looked at the rankings earlier today what do you think of him versus number nine vicente luque Mm. that's sounds like fun doesn't it (laughs) i think like i just can't i i just imagine just the carnage in that fight 
Yeah, I mean, it could go that way, or Luke could, you know, even try to, like, overwhelm him with grappling and, like, maybe, you know, clinch situations or whatnot. Yeah, I don't... Just... See, that'd be good for him, though. Like, it'd be yeah. a good test if yeah. he did that. On the feet, I honestly think that he could do well against Luke. Like, his... His striking is yeah. I good. think yeah. Luke would definitely hold up there too. And yeah, yeah. I no, war, it would. Yeah, uh, it would. Jack Battle, Jack Della Madalena being an underdog, uh, like a significant underdog. You know, I think something to definitely expect to say the least. But who knows? Because Luke is coming off the loss to Bilal, and I think before that, did he get? I feel like he's coming off a couple losses. Or am I like? Might be tripping by that, but I'm pretty sure. I still like I still like Luke. I think still one of the better welterweights. No, like yeah, no, nothing to be mad at. Then he as he got knocked out by Jeff Neal. That fight was just so under the radar. (laughs) What fight night was that even on? Oh, it was the same night that that's why I barely remember it. It it was the same night that uh, we filmed the Shane doc. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so it was that card. <laughs> but, um, yeah, man. I mean, it's just, I think that Madalena, or Della Madalena's power is just that good. And that's why, like, the fight scares me a little bit for Luke because he's a tough guy, but he's coming off of, like, a couple losses now, and Della Madalena is coming with all that steam behind him. Yeah, very Especially good. Especially if it happens in Perth, because that's where they're saying, like, his next fight is probably going to be. It'll be on that Australia card. Which I think is going to be awesome. Like, that's an awesome showcase for him. Which is why I want them to get him a cool matchup like Vicente Luque or somebody ranked just because he's earned it. Like, this dude, this dude's going to be knocking these guys out below the top 15 all day. Yeah. So let's just, let's just cut the crap here. You know what I mean? But anyway, there are only like a couple more things that I wanted to mention with this card. Uh, one of which being the two tough. 29 Bantamweight finalists, both getting wins, man. Brady Heastand and Ricky Tercios. They both, like, it was weird because the, the Heastand fight, Heastand got dropped early, and then he overcame it. It was kind of like a lesser version of, like, what the Christian Lee fight was because he got dropped bad, and he came back, and he was using his grappling, and honestly, he was doing pretty good on the feet, too, as the fight went on, and then he won. I believe it was a split decision, which I thought was, I thought that was fair, and then Ricky Tercios, dude, I still feel the same way that I feel about him. And, like, I, I like him. He's, like, really fun to watch, and he's a cool dude. But his striking is just way too predictable. Like, even in this fight, and this was a fight that they matched up, matched him up with because they thought he could win it, and he did. But it's just, I don't know. Like, I don't like how his spins are so telegraphed. His punches are so telegraphed. He leads with his head sometimes, like, and, you know, yeah, I'm sitting here, like, talking into a microphone talking about it. But, like, this isn't something that, like, you got to have, like, the most trained eye to be able to see. You know what I'm trying to say? And he does good work. Like, his grappling is really good. And when he does land with his striking, it has, like, power. And it's very creative. So you never know where it's really coming from. But in the sense that, like, you can tell what he's doing because of his movements, not because of, like, the, the shot selection. You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. Like, because his, his creativity is unbelievable. But when you see, like, the movement coming so slow and so, like, just, I guess awkward would be the word for it. I don't know. It's just, it doesn't bode well for his future because he looked good in this fight, but he didn't look as good as I would have imagined that he was going to look. 
So I think that's something to look out for. But this was some the next thing I wanted to talk about, and this is what we'll end with. It was something that you actually mentioned to me, and I'm glad that you did because I think it's a pretty interesting story. And I don't know, like there's just a lot of like talks about it right now. We it basically this started when we were obviously on vacation, so we didn't really talk about it that much. But Derek Minner had fought on uh, the fight night with Rodriguez and Lemos, and basically there it was being investigated because his fight had a lot of suspicious betting activity on it. The way that it was is I'm pretty sure Minner was like probably around like a plus 120 underdog around there. But then right before the fight, there was apparently like just this pouring in of bets on his opponent. And, you know, you look at that and there are people saying too on like in the comments and like posts about it that I saw that are big like UFC betters, they're like, yeah, he went from plus 120 to like over plus 400 in the matter of minutes, which is crazy. So people are talking about that. And now Derek Minner has gotten in trouble because apparently he didn't disclose a knee injury and a pretty severe knee injury before the fight, which would kind of explain this weird betting activity. Like nothing's for sure yet. This is the thing. Like I was going to go, this is on Yahoo Sports that I'm reading this from. So, basically, this weekend, this is how it ties in. Miles Johns fought, and he is a part of James Krause's team, and James Krause also coaches Derek Minner. So, it's a very, like, weird situation that Krause is involved with. He hasn't been accused of anything, but the Nevada State Athletic Commission, they, I don't know if they suspended him, but they barred him from cornering Miles Johns this weekend because of the ongoing uh, investigation. And he's known for like, you know, knowing about like how the gambling industry with the UFC is like works. He talks about it a lot on his own podcast. And it's just so odd because basically uh, Minner, who was coached by Kraus, apparently came into the fight at the apex with an injured knee. He threw a kick early in the fight and re-injured his knee and not going to even try to pronounce his opponent's name. <laughs> Quickly finished him. Rumors circulated early on the morning of the fight that Minner was injured and bets poured in on his opponent with the line significantly moving in his favor. And let's see. Says the UFC did say at this time we have no reason to believe either of the athletes were, invo- were involved in the bout or anyone associated with their teams, which would include Kraus, behaved in unethical or irresponsible manner. So that's why I feel like it's important to say the UFC didn't do this. Yeah. This was the commission, which makes it a bit more odd because you know the UFC is obviously going to try and defend their people. They don't want this type of scandal on their like on their mind yeah. because you already hear the dumbasses in the comments who think that the fights are fixed when they're not. Mm-hmm. So the last thing the UFC needs is a scandal like this because the rumor is like a lot of people are aware of this injury coming in and that's why the, the bets like poured in at the last second like that. And I don't know, like, just because I don't want to accuse like James Krause, because that's like where it seems like this is going right now. But I, I don't believe in accusing somebody of something until it's like proven. You know what I mean? Just I don't know though. This is a really weird thing. Like, what what did you think of this? Like when you read about it? Well, I mean, I was just as confused as like you are, but you know, now like you talking about it more and like you know, I not even like dust about it because like it's still very much up in the air. But um, it was just more just like you know James Krause like like betting against 
his own fighters, like, because he already knows something that, like, obviously, like, you know, everyone else doesn't. So, like, you know, coming into, I guess, coming into a fight with an injury is, you know, that, you know, isn't disclosed already is one thing. But then, like, that's where, like, because, yeah, yeah, like you just said, like, this is the last thing the UFC needs a scandal like this because now, like, because that was, like, we were talking about it at first when we found out, I was like, whoa, like, you know, so he's got all these, like, how does it, how does the line just move, like, from that? Because we didn't, I don't think we, like, knew that Derek Mender was, like, injured first. Was so, when like, we heard, because that, that didn't come out yet, apparently. No, yeah. So now it's like, so obviously, like, James Krause is the one guy that, like, that knows. And now, like, all these other, like, betters and whatnot are, like. It's just, just I don't. So that's why I don't want to like I don't want to accuse the guy though like like there's no way like there's just no way he's betting against his own team like I get that that happens, but like you know James Krause like you know we've given him so much praise yeah. on this podcast and you know maybe that's at least making me a little biased but I'm not I wouldn't even call it a bias I'm just kind of giving him the benefit of the doubt because nothing's been said yet about him being involved. It's just a weird scenario to have him pulled like the night before this fight with uh, that Miles Johns had, and I don't know. It's just weird. Like, and even like meeting him too. Like, he was like a nice, really nice dude. So it's just like you don't want to believe that like someone like that is like gonna take advantage of like this type of situation. But it's just so odd. Like, I, I don't know like what to think of it. Like, if anything, maybe it could have been, you know, maybe Krause told somebody else, and then somebody else did this, but. And that's very – because you got to think it's like an MMA gym. Like there's not – it's not just James Krause. Like there's definitely other people who trained with him that knew that he was hurt. Is it – well, yeah. I mean, but so then is it a deal of like just not like knowing there's an injury but like still feeling like, you know, like still healthy enough to fight and just not wanting to back out? Probably yeah. that because you also got to think too that if he doesn't show up, he doesn't get his show money. Yeah. And UFC fighters, as we've said, do not get paid a crazy amount. So if you're giving up that money, that might put you back like in life. So you got to think about it like that. Like I don't know about Minner or if he's got like a family or anything like that. But if he does, you know, either way, I'm sure there's people like who he like cares about and all that. Like who definitely probably tries to support. It's just so it could yeah. I mean, I so know, then man. it could literally be a case just you know making sure Minner can get like his like his. At least to show him on it. Yeah, like, and then, like, knowing there's an injury. Knowing there's an injury there, and he's probably not going to win. Just, just, yeah, for us. Man, it is really, like, pretty, pretty, it is pretty wild. Let you me never, say this. You don't see things like this. At um, UFC 269, which is obviously December of 2021, I believe. Now, this is obviously back then, so the his salary could have changed by now but at that point did he win his fight though he didn't win his fight but his show money was 26 grand so and the sponsorship he gets 5000 so it's 31000 back then just to show up so if you're only fighting twice a year that's 60000 pretty much and probably less than that when you're counting that he has to pay his coaches his probably his management all that yeah so, I would, wouldn't blame Kraus for trying to get him to the fight if that's what he wanted and he thought that he could power through it. But with all this betting stuff now, it's just really, really weird, right? 
So I guess with that, there's not really much else to say because we really talked about everything with it. But um, I guess if more things come up with it, yeah. we'll just kind of talk about it then. Definitely. So I just thought it was bizarre, and I'm glad you brought it up because it was definitely worth talking about. But um, that looks like it's about it, honestly, because there wasn't really much else that happened this weekend. I thought, you know, we definitely had a nice one today because we had all the promotions, and they all pretty much lived up yeah, to their height. Yeah, a lot to talk about. Before we go, I just want to talk about one last thing that's coming up that we're going to talk about after it happens. Uh, it's the PFL pay-per-view that they're having. It is... This week, it's Friday, November 25th, the Hulu Theater at Madison Square Garden. Yeah, we should try to go to that. It's not sold out. That'd be kind of crazy, wouldn't it? <laughs> but um, it's at 8 p.m. And this is Bellator, Bellator, the PFL is like, I'm pretty sure this is like, might be their first pay-per-view on ESPN. I've been trying to find the price for so long, and I can't find it. Like, there's got to be something. Can you buy it yet? Because this will tell me. I'll just go on ESPN, like, literally right now. Uh, obviously, no. All right, well, I'm going to go right through ESPN. Because, like, I want to give them their fair shake. Because we've talked about the PFL before and just how good that they usually are. I'm honestly going to buy this pay-per-view probably just no matter what. Because I'm curious. All right, it's $60. So it's cheaper than the UFC. Honestly, a little expensive for PFL. Just if with the Because the main event is... Kayla Harrison versus, uh, I think, Pacheco. I'm pretty sure she's beaten, like, multiple times. <laughs> so, But the rest of the fights on the card are pretty good. It has all the championship fights because this is, like, their playoff type yeah. thing. So I'm really excited for it. That's on Friday, so we'll definitely talk about that next week. There's no UFC card. Um, we were talking about it before. We might do another spelling bee next week, you know, along with that. So we'll have, like, probably a section for the PFL. And then we'll get into the spelling bee and like a whole other thing of the pod. So it'll be fun. We'll get to see the rematch. Tiz obviously beat me last time. Uh, you said I was always an English guy. That was your quote, which I thought was hilarious. Even though a bunch of pretty much all those names had nothing to do with the English. That's but... true. <laughs> That's very true. So yeah. and you spelled Adesanya's name wrong, which I thought was a bad start. Personally, <laughs> even though you won, that was a, that was an L. That yeah, you have to hold. That was a that was a battle. Yeah, man. And it will be in the rematch, I promise. I will hopefully do better with my Russian my Russian spelling. But I will. I yeah. Will. We'll see what happens. Uh, I guess if you guys want to leave a comment, who you guys think is going to win the rematch, me versus Tiz. So with that, we'll see you guys next week with the spelling bee and some PFL.